For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and as you may know or will soon find out, I want to take you inside the golf equipment industry. I talk about it and you tune in because we love the game and the details that make it special. That's true in clubs, balls, shoes, and even in accessories. Think about your glove. A tiny bit of wear can throw your game into the trash heap. A poor fit means a poor grip. And with that, a bad round is likely to ensue. Today, we speak to a woman who entered the industry and worked her way up the ladder until it took her around the world as a true expert in golf gloves. It's a joy to be joined by former FootJoy Senior Director of Gloves, Maria Bonzani, here on the range. Maria, it's great to talk to you. It's awesome to be here with you on Zoom. Yes, uh, before we get into gloves, I want to note that the reason that you're formerly with FootJoy is because you recently retired, but that's after working there for a long time, but working with gloves specifically for 25 years. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a planned event. So I have to note that first since 2003, that uh, definitely planned and set goals to really um, monitor and own the my own career challenges and future ahead. So in 2020, I'm happy to be here, retired um, early, if you will, and uh, looking forward to the next steps. Well, you are what one would call a classic golf story. You learned the game as a youth, you fell in love with it, and then it became your career. I was very privileged early in my life to have a mentor um, by the name of Bill Flynn. He was well known in Massachusetts. He was a lefty golfer. He had a disability of one hand longer than the other, and he won many tournaments um, uh, in and around the area, as well as being part of PGA of America. And um, he was awesome. And he says, Maria, if you're willing to practice every day, I'll give you lessons. And I also worked in his golf shop uh, at the age of 13. Um, so working in a golf shop from the age of 13 to about, uh, gosh, 18, it was just awesome. Well, I got to imagine then that you had a affinity for equipment and gear from an early start. How did you get started with FootJoy? Um, I got started with FootJoy um, by some of my connections. Um, Larry Bellarado, who had been a junior golfer, also working for uh, Mr. Flynn. And it was in my uh, mid-20s when I um, had already gone through banking and I worked for Parker Brothers. I said, you know what, I'm ready to get back into golf. And uh, I connected with he and another individual um, to get back into golf. And they put my resume with the Kushner Company. And uh, that's when it all, my formal uh, career of uh, a cushion it started. When you talk about gloves, most people don't give them a whole lot of thought, but the reality is the journey from a glove to get to the store is quite extensive. 
Yeah, a golf glove, first of all, is so important in the game. It's your first connection between you as a golfer and the golf club. Um, obviously, golf ball is the next. Um, so gloves and balls are extremely important as solid foundations. And so when you think about the importance of the materials and the journey for, for uh, the product itself, it starts from the leather. Um, whether it's Ethiopia, it comes from Ethiopia, it's tanned in England, and then it will go to our factory um, in Thailand to be made and manufacture one glove at a time. And the millions of gloves that are made every year, each and every glove is tried on for sizing and quality accuracy. And then it really goes to the various spokes across the globe um, to facilitate that important need to the golfer. You talk about the different processes, and that's just assuming that it is one model of glove. You have so many different models of gloves, and each one has its own routing that it, that it starts from you know just the pro beginning all the way to it being packaged. The gloves that FootJoy has offered over the years has varied a lot. You've gone from your premium leathers to hybrid models to synthetics. It's easy to say that there's one glove that's the best. But the reality is the best differs from golfer to golfer, from person to person. Yeah, the aspect of having multiple product offerings for each and every golfer's needs is important. So whether it's value meaning price point or is it value for the money for the golfer that wants more from a durability and performance standpoint. So at FootJoy, um, you have the... Uh, breadth of products, meaning WeatherSoft. It's a synthetic product with leather patches for reinforcement. That's the entry-level price point. But it goes all the way up to a hybrid, and then that's product performance, having maybe a, more of a leather for feel on the, the um, palm of the glove with synthetics um, adapting from form fitting and memory um, of fit on the back of the glove, which would be the ProFlex glove. Um, or it's a premium leathers, whether it's stays off for all weather durability at that premium end, which is around $25 suggested retail, or it's pure touch. It's ultimate and feel. Somebody that wants to have just the softest feel next to skin um, in pure touch. Um, and that's ranges around $30 suggested retail. That comes down to personal preference. It also can come down to how your skin reacts to each one of these materials. I mean, Again, we don't think about it too much, but if you have a certain skin irritation to something, you're going to notice it and you really want to know, hey, there is a glove out there that's going to fit exactly what I want. Having a product being right next to your skin, it is extremely important that a company like FootJoy and Titleist tests the materials first and foremost. They want to make sure that there's uh, virtually minimal, if any, skin irritation, whether it's a man-made product um, like a um, FiberSoft material that's in WeatherSoft, or it's a natural product like leather that's chrome tanned. Uh, chromium has been part of, um, chrome three has been part of the tanning process for over 200 years. There's some folks that may have some allergies to it. So if somebody has analogy to a synthetic product, you have a leather offering. If you have an issue with chromium in the tanning agents of most all gloves, then you have synthetic options uh, to wear. And then there are environmental factors based on where people live. For instance, if you're playing in the summer in Florida, you may not want an all leather glove during the summer months. You might want something that's 
going to you know bring in mesh or other things that'll breathe and keep you cool again it's personal preference uh something like a stay soft with petard's leather has the ability to manage moisture and gets mm -hmm. tackier as it gets um more moist and that's a gripping property or you have something uh like a tropical glove that has um a, a cool nanofiber material in the palm so as it gets wet and it also has breathability in the back unbelievably cool weather glove some folks prefer a rain glove um where it has a, a non uh, woven fiber in the palm and has amazing grip um but has a cooling properties in the back of the glove in Weathersoft. Weathersoft is also a great product. So again, it's really depending on the person, their preference, and what they want. But the having multiple gloves in your bag is also a great benefit. So mm -hmm. if, as the weather or climate changes, you have something very accessible uh, to wear at any moment. Now, there's innovations in all areas. I mean, that's that's kind of where, where you really hung your hat for, for a lot of your career. The Stay Soft with 14 different versions, uh, but they maintain the same basic concept. And then you've got gloves like the ProFlex that reimagines construction on your hand. The point is, is that you're constantly improving what really is out there because every time you get feedback, it's like, oh, yeah, there's something maybe we never thought of. And, and, and we can, again, offer something that fits that, that need. Yeah, development and product development is uh, a really cool area to work in. And the beauty of it is, number one, constant improvement that's required, continuous improvement, as, as it's stated. You have something that's great, and a lot of manufacturers have a lot of things that great, but you know you can always make it better, kind of like our golf game, right? Mm -hmm. You may have a great game but you're always looking for an opportunity to make it better. So continuous improvement with something like a stay soft glove that's already at a 0.45 millimeter specification. It's also amazing. There's just these little opportunities that can make it so much better in something just 0.45 millimeter specification and being a natural product and having our own construction and uh, factory in which to control it. So that's also an opportunity. But you also have this planned development process in the range of two to three years out. You're already thinking ahead of what the consumer might be wanting. You've, you know the consumer, we know the golfer, you're looking how they shop and what's gonna be important with that opportunity of having a golf glove, knowing it's important between you and the golf equipment is so vitally important. What is that like? I mean, you know, it's like people can then wonder as we start to really start thinking about the gloves is that you're always thinking about, say, the next iteration of a Stay Soft, but you're also creating new lines from scratch. Is it one team that's working on one and then one on another that, you know, there's always some people that are thinking about that improved stay soft. We have um, the, the, the team that we have in Fairhaven has a direct link to the folks that, um, and we own our own factory uh, in Thailand and there's constantly daily communications. We probably have in the neighborhood of 10 folks every day that come up and think about what we're doing in golf clubs. 
um, around the world. It's not just the U.S. You know, what does the Asian market need? They have different hand sizes um, that they need. They have different climates and conditions. Or it's in Europe. They have different requirements. So how do you have kind of a global line that's fairly consistent? And what are the nuances for each market that they may need an adaptation for? I know this is an, this is an audio medium. We've got everyone listening. But I bet that our listeners would be surprised to learn that there's a way that a glove should fit when you first buy it new. So when you're trying it on, it is going to fit maybe differently than most people think that it would. Well, Ralph, you you know, um, we've gone through this a number of times, but uh, I bet my salary, my earnings, my retirement fund that we needed to refit you and you were smaller than you thought. Yep, absolutely. I gosh, it's tough to put a percentage, but you know, I would say over seventy percent of the the golfers out there should be wearing a glove that's smaller, in that that fit should feel like a second skin. So as you as you curve your palm of your glove, in your as you're fitting it, it should be taut, uh, not when it's open handed and and you're looking like oh geez, this fits. It's when you're curving uh, your hand that it should feel taut and the Velcro on the back of the glove should be three quarters over. So showing a quarter of an inch of that Velcro allows for the adjustability of the glove uh, through its time. So if it's flush to the Velcro right at the beginning, as your hand is kind of curved, it's already too big. So having it be a second skin and your golf professional will help you with that. So, uh, other people from other sports, they're easy to say, well, I'm a size large. I'm a size medium large because maybe that's what they're wearing in apparel. <laughs> or um, they may be two sizes down. Or they may be a cadet, which that's shorter fingers and a wider palm. And that, again, has to go through a fitting uh, exploration. It makes sense when you talk about shoes. That you, you try on a, a nice pair of leather shoes that, okay, you know that they're going to stretch to really accommodate and really fit your feet over time. That's really the case with, with gloves. I mean, people think of the pros, and the pros kind of run through gloves one around. Here, in this case, we're looking to have a glove that's going to last us for, for, for a number of rounds of play, and it's going to get more and more fit to our hand because it starts out where we're stretching it to fit exactly what we need. Exactly. And, and let's talk about rounds of play and expectations of, a, of golf gloves. And that's one of the first or one of the first early questions that we would get. And it's like, well, how long should a glove last? And my response is, it depends. So as you go through what a golfer experiences, if they go to the range and hit a bucket of balls, that's one round of a glove in that one practice session. If they take a full swing before each practice shot, that may be two rounds of golf before they even hit the golf course. And if they do a practice swing and a round of golf, so you could have four rounds within one day that you're technically playing golf. Mm -hmm. I guess people also should know what's the best way to care for their glove after using it so that you can maximize its lifespan. After using uh, the 
the, the glove, depending upon the conditions, um, whether it's really humid or it's dry, I mean, definitely air it out and then re-put it, or excuse me, put it in the golf glove package flat, and then it should be great to wear the next day. What I would not recommend is crumpling it up, throwing it into your golf ball pouch because there's a lot of chemicals that are on golf balls so you're putting something next to your hand in the golf ball pouch it should be in its own separate area in a golf bag to preserve it and then um make it you know useful the next time you play well it's one thing that i've learned um really dating back to when i was in high school and playing baseball and then other sports is that simple plastic sleeve that your glove comes in is actually one of its preserving agents. Like if you keep your glove in that, your glove is going to last longer. It's going to feel softer the next time you use it. That plastic sleeve, which is recyclable, by the way, um, which is another question that comes up. There's a reason that it is um, PET um, as a recyclable um, product keeping it in that sleeve will maintain the life of the glove. Another opportunity is to have two gloves um, in use, especially in the hot, humid climates, is mm -hmm. to wear one glove nine holes, switch it out, get something fresh that second nine, that back nine. Um, always an opportunity, buy two gloves at one time, having that second one ready to go, especially when you wanna play a great round. Part of the thing of, you know, we see product development in all areas of golf um, with bags instituting a, what a lot of bags have with the little Velcro patch so that you can put your glove there. If you talk about switching out your glove mid round, you have a place now where you can air it out and it, it stays out of the way of everything while you finish out your round. So, I mean, it, it, there are reasons that they do all these things with these bags beyond just what you immediately think. That's uh, another valuable uh, asset when you talk about product development. The Velcro, uh, Tony Antonius was the person that developed the Velcro on a golf glove, and that's a early patent um, that was uh, very successful for him, but obviously multiple uses as you can Velcro it to your bag or even around uh, the uh, edge of the, uh, the golf cart. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about the process of bringing a glove to market and the international journey that a glove is going to take. Well, obviously you've taken international journeys as a, through your role at FootJoy. I mean, you oversaw a factory in Thailand while being based in Massachusetts. But is there one experience or adventure that golf has brought to you that sticks out like a, in your career of venturing around from whether it's from where leather is tanned to, to England, to the factory, et cetera? Um, one would be really hard to, um, point out, but I've had the experience of playing golf in over 10 countries and the unique experiences. It's all about this singular game that we all love and enjoy. And the more that we can do it among a group of people, and enjoy the moment, um, the golf course conditions. Um, I played in China, Japan, Korea, Australia, uh, Singapore, Thailand, Europe. Um, this game has just brings people together and that's what is incredibly awesome. And we remembered 
I guess I remember a few of the holes, but more importantly, I remember the company that I played with. Mm -hmm. um, and those moments, whether it's, you know, it's for the sales meeting that you're playing in a scramble or a two-man best ball, um, or just to go out because you've never played that course or it's been incredible. Obviously, U.S. golf, uh, I've played in so many states. Um, it's incredible. One of my favorite is Pebble Beach. I think I took more pictures than I cared about my game. Um, but uh, I just think the aspect of golf and bringing people to get together, the competitive spirit, the family aspect of growing the game, that's how I got in the game. My dad played, my brothers ca uh, caddied at Salem Country Club. And my dad asked my mom and my sister and I, hey, you want to play? And that's just how it starts. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently I'm uh, bringing a lot more women into the game that are um, parents um, and moms to, I have a 13 year old son that, hey, let's, let's get out there and just play. And it's a par three course and they've never even picked up a club and it's already up to 30 people and in a few months time. And they just love being out there because it's a great escape, so. It's, it's pretty neat. Well, it's interesting when you think about golf in an international sense in courses that you can look at a picture of a golf course and you can pretty much tell, obviously, by, by the surroundings that whether it's in the States or it's someplace else, it's like that with equipment that you think, as you said, with, with gloves, you can come up with a line of gloves, but it's going to need to be made specific to different areas of the world because they have different needs. They have different climates. They have different conditions, what have you. And it, it just goes to show that as there's this one game, it has this different versions of it all around the world. Yeah. Through product development um, in any industry or any sector, it requires an understanding of golfers in their market and the conditions that they're experiencing and also a familiarity of who they are and um, the unique aspects, not only within the segment of the populations, but also legal restrictions. You know, there are some um, things that you have to know. We need bilingual packaging. Um, you need certain understandings of the materials down to, you know, uh, the type of material within a little lycra area of a glove. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes that you want to make sure it's absolutely perfect for that particular golfer in that particular market. Now I go from being around the world to take you back to Massachusetts because FootJoy and a Kushnet in general, but FootJoy Titleist occupy this little area and it, just seems to, to an outsider when you think about it and when you learn about this, this must be super golf culture, like in this little area, because there's so many people that work in the golf industry in one way or another, that wherever you go, it's golf, golf, golf. Yeah. I, I mean, the history, there's history on both sides of the company, but it starts, obviously golfers began this, but also manufacturing. And it's a bed mm -hmm. of, you know, FootJoy started in the shoe capital of uh, America, which was Brockton, Massachusetts. And the same from a manufacturing standpoint, next to the rubber division um, in New Bedford, you know, started the golf ball sector. So it first started with, you know, the, the points of manufacturing and golfers and understanding the sciences and how to make things better. And when you think of the long, long history um, gosh, over 75 years for Titleist. Um, 
1857 for Footjoy, um, the aspects of just always wanting to make it better. And being local here is, I think, been a benefit. Um, but local is, is really global. It's global. But as I say, you, you've had this feeling of community which is perfect for golf because there really is a golf community. And so to be able to create products from a community that loves golf to a golfing community, it just translates very well. Yeah, exactly. And then, and as you know, our, uh, you know, the listeners may or may not know the pedigree of golfers that are within our, our company is, is quite strong. So it's not a total prerequisite, but knowing and walking, you know, uh, walking the walk and talking the talk is extremely important. And, and when you're in a golf shop at 13, you're already embedded into the game um, or playing every day or associating with, it's just this community that uh, you want to do and, and perform and make the best products possible for them. Well, you talk about talking the talk, walking the walk in learning, you know, about kind of your history in the game that, you just fit a perfect niche because you actually came in with a love of golf, but you actually understood things that were helpful in terms of manufacturing, stitching and things of that nature that you came in with this nice tool set that really gave you credibility in all areas when it came to gloves. That uh, early journey um, was really important. Um, but I tried a few things outside of golf before I was like, uh, okay, I'm ready to get back in. And mm -hmm. the other aspect, I, I was a sewer. You talk about home economics in, in school when we all took them as a requirement. Those other types of courses really lead to opportunities and development. I, I learned to sew. I did wood, wood shop, metal shop, uh, and cooking, obviously. But uh, the ability to learn how to sew, I needed that in terms of developing the outerwear range, which was in the, the late 90s um, before it became uh, this this great number one position on the apparel side that you needed to know about stitches patterns um, alterations and then understanding gloves and the stitches having less stitches you know on your hand it just evolved into the best of both worlds in the case of um, my my career well and as i mentioned you've retired from footjoy but you are not retired from the working world that's for sure because you're now really pursuing a lot of new things you talk about bringing people to golf but you're really trying to open doors for a lot of people now i uh again a planned journey um gosh it was probably uh three years ago where as i was planning my my early career is like what's next for me and uh the opportunity to give back um i've just recently um got my um, life coaching accreditation uh through ipec which is a um professional excellence in coaching and um i'm looking to expand uh into a new entree and owning my own business and just really helping people and young adults find their passion uh, much like i had the opportunity to do uh, a lot of folks have a lot of experience beyond which they realize and to ignite their journey of what's next is, is really a cool process. So it's something I'm looking to do in uh, late fall. Um, but I'm today and through the summer, I'm just taking some time off to reboot and rethink and uh, I look forward to uh, my, my next journey ahead and helping a lot of folks. Well, in that vein, I mean, 
there are tricks to to really understanding how to get into the world of sports and, and that's a lot of what you can share is just i guess trick is really not the right word it's but there are techniques to really foster your own personal growth in that regard yeah i think the opportunity of folks is number one is networking you know really connecting and as a young person and a young professional is getting outside of your comfort zone. And let's face it, golf lets you get outside of your comfort zone every single shot. So it's really crossing over and getting outside of your comfort zone and talking to people and saying, geez, you know, what do you do? How did you get to where you're at? Um, establishing a connection and staying connected is, is one important ingredient. Self-improvement, again, just like golf, is always something that you can work on is how do I get better? You know, your first shot may not be your best one, um, but there's opportunities to keep, you know, keep, as I say, keep swinging the bat if you're a baseball. You know, you're not going to hit that first pitch, but you know what? You keep swinging, you're going to get better and better and better. Um there's always room for opportunities, personal growth. And if you write it down and you set goals, you're probably going to achieve it. One thing that I've learned from the time that I met you is you have enthusiasm for what you're doing. And that is something that you just can't fake. If you have enthusiasm for the work that you do or the work you want to do, it's going to come across almost every time. Passion's important. Passion and believe in, in what you can do because there's a lot of opportunities out there, especially today, especially post-COVID. It's just, they're different opportunities, but there's still opportunities in which to be successful. Finally, I like to finish with a trip in the Wayback Machine. And as you look back, is there one product, perhaps a glove, but uh, one particular release that you look back with a special fondness, whether it was from the item itself or the story in its creation, its marketing, its release, anything like that, that there's something that's like, you know what? I love that thing. Yes. Um, in late 1994, I was given the opportunity to transition from footwear into golf gloves. I didn't know a thing about golf gloves. And uh, Wally Uline and Jim Connor, you know, say, you know, here is an opportunity to, to be the senior marketing manager of golf gloves. And, and with that, we were launching a brand new Stay Soft glove in 1995. We needed to come up with a package. We needed to come up with a name. We needed this promotional opportunity behind it. And uh, we had a Ben Crenshaw um, initiative that went on United Airlines and I didn't know a lot, but you just dove in and a lot of folks helped you along the way and had a lot of collaboration and networking. And it proved to be a very successful launch um, with the team that we had and the resources we had. And that is my first memory of it can be done and you can achieve and accomplish anything. Um, and it was very successful. That's a good one because that sticks that stuck with you the rest of your career then working with gloves. Absolutely. Maria, thank you so much for joining us. It's always fun talking with you. And there's always something to be learned about the golf club. Thank you, Ralph. You know, thanks for reconnecting. I'm so glad I had the opportunity and uh, love to do it again. That's Maria Bonzani, and I have to tell you, we met just a couple of years ago. But I was so taken by her sheer enthusiasm for the game and for her line that I now look forward to every time we get together just to talk. 
As you just heard, she makes you want to know more about something that an hour ago you considered to be a throwaway accessory. That is why we do this show. Before we go, there was a recent viral dust-up from some random guy on Twitter claiming that any four-handicapped man could match up with the professionals on the LPGA Tour. Just stop. Just no. One thing I've seen over the years in the sport is a sexism towards women on the course that's just unwarranted. I know a professional in the equipment industry who was greeted at the first tee with a suggestion she go to the forward tees. She proceeded to smoke her opening drive down the middle of the fairway, well past the men who were teeing it up right alongside. That's a small indicator of what playing with an LPGA pro is like. I've been fortunate to share a number of rounds with LPGA professionals, and while they may not be matching Bryce and DeChambeau off the tee, many are straight and absolutely precise with their games to a level most amateurs can't really appreciate. A woman on the course is no different from a guy. She could stink or she could embarrass you because she's so much better. So here's my advice. Enjoy the pairing and enjoy playing your game. If you want to know more about golf equipment, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Golf Spotlight. For the latest on the range, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's right, at The Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments there as well. You've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. We hope you're able to get out on the course, tee it up, and hit it straight. And we'll see you here next time on The Range. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.